All right, Oleg, let's start by introducing our audience to yourself, a bit of your background, and also uh, to people.ai. Absolutely. Thank you, Tramana. Uh, my name is Oleg Raginski. I'm the CEO and the founder of uh, People.ai. Uh, it's my, I've, I've, I've been doing startups for pretty much all my life. Uh, my previous company, Symmetria, was also an AI company. We just started in 2011 and then sold in 2014. Um, People AI was started in 2016 when I moved out here to Silicon Valley, uh, and I've been working on it ever since. Um, Where did you move from, Oleg? Montreal. I'm originally Ukrainian, but uh, I worked for one of the first AI companies called Einstein Technologies back in Montreal in in, uh, 2006 through 2010, which we sold to OpenText, which uh, and our technology now is the OpenText AI. And I, see. I, I left that to start Symantry in 2011, and, and, and the rest is history. And what was the premise of Symantria? Symantria was the world's first sentiment analysis cloud API. You could I send see. us any piece of text, like a tweet or a survey or a document, and within uh, a second, we would come back to you with, uh, here is the sentiment in this text, here is the people, places, companies, categories, so all the metadata you would need to build a product on top of that tweet or whatever or survey. And what, um, whom did you sell that to? I sold it to a company called Lexalytics, which was one of the... Oh, yeah. We've covered Lexalytics. Yep. I'm very familiar with them. Yeah, so they were one of the bigger players in the space, and they wanted to get into cloud game because they were on-premise at the time. And we were the cloud solution that, that they're still uh, doing a significant portion of their business on. Very good. All right. Let's come to people.ai. When did you start people.ai and what was, the, what was your observation at the beginning of people.ai? Absolutely. So uh, people.ai was started in February 2016. So we just turned five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, felt like one day. Uh, and... Um, the initial observation of why I wanted to start a company actually came throughout my history, of employment history. I remember, I'll never forget the day when back in Montreal in 20, 2007, uh, I was at Einstein, our chief operating officer grounded me and the whole sales team for a week to clean Salesforce. And we literally spent a week in a conference room without windows, Googling companies and people and updating them in our Salesforce. Clean Salesforce state lasted for about three weeks, and then after that, it was back to being a mess. So that, that was the first kind of learning of, hey, there's a problem here. Then during Symantria days, one of the uh, business lines we were doing was e-discovery, where we were using our AI and graph engine to understand uh, for our customers massive amounts of email at scale to help find the bad guys. And so that's where I learned the power of natural language processing as applied to email and calendar data at large scale. And then when I sold Symantra, I actually worked for a company that you might be very familiar with, Sermana, called H2O.ai. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I was running sales and marketing for, for H2O for a bit, and uh, I learned, I mean, H2O products are spectacular. Uh, from data science perspective. And that's where I learned all the modern techniques of doing uh, machine learning at significant scale 
Um, and so combine that with me understanding that there's a big problem with uh, Salesforce data and companies are flying blind. Combine that with understanding that there is a lot of really interesting nuggets and insights hidden in every company's email, calendar, phone, Zoom activity data. And with modern technology from H2O, I knew kind of if I put it all together, there'll be a big business here. And what problem did you decide to go after with all these technology understanding? Initially, the problem we went after was we were observing that most of the sales leaders at the time didn't really know what their teams were doing and uh, didn't know how to coach their teams, their sales teams, to better performance and productivity uh, without any data or guidance um, from us. So it was all kind of based on hunch and trust and not on data and knowledge. And so the initial product which we uh, did in Y Combinator um, while we were in Vancouver in summer 2016 basically was collecting all of the activity data, telemetry of your sales team, your email, calendar, phone, WebEx, Zoom, all the conversations they were having with their clients, and then turning that data into coaching recommendations of what a sales manager should be, uh, should be doing to coaching their team to, to increase kind of sales productivity um, at scale. So we started with the sales teams, but since then we figured out that the exactly same approach of kind of using the activity data to inspect uh, what's going on, using it then to benchmark what do top performers do versus bottom performers, and then coach bottom performers to be more like top performers is applicable not just in sales but in other areas of business. Very interesting. So um, let's step through a few um, you know, rungs of the ladder of how you achieve what you're achieving. First mm-hmm. and foremost, data. So mm-hmm. what data are you analyzing? And give me some examples of the kinds of heuristics you are picking out of that data based on which you're modeling the AI. Yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, the data we are collecting is uh, pretty much every activity data source within your go-to-market. So uh, your salespeople are talking to a, to a client via email, so we collect that, via mm-hmm. calendar, via Zoom, via phone. Uh, so any touch point that happens uh, with a customer has a digital footprint, we collect that. And that's, um, you're collecting that off of the CRM system? No, we collect it directly from your email system, from your calendar oh. system, from your Zoom, etc. Because your CRM typically will not have all the data, while we need to have fully comprehensive data set to make our conclusions and heuristics. I see. Got it. Okay. So there's an now, agent sitting on every desktop or every phone and, um, and picking up of all of this data. No. Uh, all of these systems, all the modern uh, activity systems have centralized APIs. So we are just plugged in into your centralized email firehose API. Email firehose, Got it, got it, okay, yep. But then next thing we do, which is really, really important, is we classify using machine learning uh, this data into what's relevant to your business versus what's personal. Turns out uh, up to 20% of activity of the sales teams, of the salespeople in their work email, for example, 
has nothing to do with the work. And, and because of that, you end up seeing um, doctor appointments, vacation planning, communications with significant others uh, in, in the inflow data, and you need to filter that out. Mm-hmm. Second thing we do then, and this is where real AI comes in, we actually need to understand why every activity is happening. So this phone call, Sermana, with, with you and me, is, is Sermana recruiting Oleg or the other way? Is Sermana investing in, in people AI? Is Sermana interviewing Oleg or is Sermana looking to buy people AI product? So mm-hmm. understanding the context of every communication, the reason why it happened, mm-hmm. is required for us to attach this communication to the right place in the right system of records, such as opportunity in your Salesforce or mm-hmm. um, a candidate in your, in your ATS system. So basically we built an AI system that understands the nature of every activity and why it happened so that it can be attached to the right place. I see. So the filing, which has always been a big problem with uh, CRM in particular, that the salespeople don't like to log their communication, you're automating that. Yes, absolutely, with, with superhuman precision. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, the third thing we do turns out the most predictive feature of activity data, uh, of what uh, that, that predicts success of this activity that to lead to deal closing or some other outcome, is actually the, whether you had the right people engaged with you on that activity. Did you have the buyers engaged? Were the right people on your end engaged, et cetera? So third thing we do with every activity in real time is persona enrichment, where we understand who were the personas on, in, on this meeting? Were they supposed to be here? What kind of signal having a CEO on an early stage call about this deal mean for us? Probably means that they're very excited and they're leaning in. It's like you get the point, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I, I completely understand um, how you're doing what you're doing now. Now, um, what, uh, so is, from your beginning was in the context of more sales and marketing. Is that still the case, or have you broadened to other activities? We are focused on, go to, on all go-to-market functions now, sales, go marketing, to success, support, services, etc. Got it. Uh, and it's actually almost 50% of every organization is go-to-market employees, which, which gives us a massive time from this perspective. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's massive. No question about it. It's massive. And um, have you done ROI analysis of once an organization brings you in, what kind of impact are you seeing? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, there is uh, a company that everybody talks about that has helped us do this ROI analysis. They're called Zoom. (laughs) And we've done uh, a controlled experiment there where we launched people AI on a subset of their sellers. Mm Mm-hmm. And as a result, within one quarter, and this is before the pandemic and before the Zoom blooms, so this is actually a pretty controlled experiment, uh, we have seen improvements of from 25 to 50% increase in revenue per salesperson. I see. Depending on the segment from using people AI software. Now, Sermana, if I come to any company and say, hey, deploy the software, you'll see 50% increase in in revenue per salesperson, what are they going to say, right? Well, (laughs) 
it should Absolutely. reflect in your cell, in your revenue numbers what they say. <laughs> yes. So uh, that's actually a good question. We we use the software internally, and and they're running one of the most efficient sales teams on the planet from a perspective just by dog footing. Yeah, and is your um, customer base in any particular vertical? I imagine tech tech sales is tech uh, go to market is one of the ones where you're seeing early adoption. Yeah, we've seen early adoption in tech. Uh, we have. Uh, one of the three largest telecom companies using us. We have two of the five largest manufacturing companies using us. So telecom manufacturing, hardware, software, um, business services are all verticals that are very excited about people AI. Very good. Okay. And um, I'm going to ask you some questions about your you know, process of building this company uh, up mm -hmm. to this point, you, you've been around for about five years, you said, right? This yeah. is fifth year. Um, and you're doing this out of uh, what geography? No longer in Montreal, right? Yeah, I'm in, I'm in Menlo Park right now. You're in Menlo Park. Oh, I'm in Menlo Park too. <laughs> what part of Menlo Park are you in? I, I used to live near downtown, and now I'm in uh, Middlefield and, uh, and uh, March, so like near Athens. I see. Okay, terrific. Um, I'm in West Menlo Park, by, by the way, right off Central Roads in the um, Allied Arts kind of area. Yep. So um, what you are doing, obviously, to, to build your models, to train your models at the very beginning, you needed access to data. It's yep. something that we were talking about before we started this conversation is you cannot really build machine learning models without data. And one of the problems both you and I faced earlier on in our careers when we tried to build AI companies is mm -hmm. that the data was immature and, and not as abundant. Today there is abundant data and which makes AI possible and scalable, which is mm -hmm. terrific. Yeah. However, at the beginning of an entrepreneur's journey, Accessing that data, that customer data, is always a problem for AI entrepreneurs. How did you address this problem? Yes, yeah, so I call this problem the cold start problem. How do you cold yes, start the exactly, exactly. Uh, we got lucky in a sense that the system that we built has very clear network effect in it. That the more customers use it, the better, the more value it produces for every customer. Yeah. And we were able to articulate it very openly. And so the first several customers were actually excited about this customer co-op where the AI is trained across everybody's data set so that obviously with privacy restrictions, confidentiality restrictions, like we never share any confidential data. But we found a set of customers early on who were excited to cooperate to get the, to get the engine jump started. And, and then once it was there, like now companies are joining people, AI customers said, because the AI is trained across a much larger data set. Right. Now, um, let's double click down into this. I, um, I'm, I'm very much in tune with what you're saying here. So in your case, the buyer is what, the VP of sales, the VP of marketing, the CEO, who is making the buying decision? Uh, chief Revenue Officer or Chief Marketing Officer. Most likely Chief, chief Revenue Officer. Okay. And um, so you, 
basically recruited a set of chief revenue officers in your customer uh, council to to build the first version of the AI? Yeah, so I basically told them, hey, look, we will collect everybody's data, obviously anonymize and aggregate it, and the insights we're going to come back with will be guidance on how to best manage your sales teams to increase their performance based on the collective wisdom of 50 best CROs, 100 best CROs, etc. And that was a good enough pitch that they said, sure, let's do this. And we actually delivered, and then it started working better. And the more customers we have, the more noticeably uh, actionable insights and results they were getting. So it created a flywheel. And how did you get to these uh, CROs? I, I started in sales myself. So uh, I was first three months of uh, doing uh, 20, 30 uh, outreach and meetings per day um, and, and getting in front of them through whatever means possible. A lot of LinkedIn. I mean, it was uh, LinkedIn, but also uh, like introductions, going through the network. Or, yeah. I mean, I'll never forget a moment where I cold called this, the sales leader, and he's like, well, the only time I can meet with you is if you are at the San Carlos Farmer's Market tomorrow morning, I'll be there with my wife and kids. So I literally mm-hmm. went down to San Carlos to meet with someone while they were shopping for their groceries at the <laughs> farmer's market. Very nice. So, so okay, whatever, I got it. Whatever it took, I got them. How many did, were you able to get to start building out your model? So... Uh, that's what made us very successful graduating from Y Combinator. Uh, we managed to uh, get from zero to about 100 uh, POC customers uh, in the first 90 days, basically in the time we were in YC. Mm-hmm. And so that was the magic number where we got 100 companies on the platform at the, at the demo day. And uh, when you went into Y Combinator, were you just at a concept stage? Yeah, we actually had a completely different idea. So we not only managed to sell uh, to, to build it, to sell the product, we also managed to build it while doing this. Okay, so so your Y Combinator application was based on a different idea, not this idea. So the the data platform would be similar, but the use case would be different. I see. We were basically going to build a system that scores how good the salesperson is based on their activities, so you can use it in hiring. I see. I see. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Very good. So you, you managed to pivot that, and then the pivot was based on what, customer conversations? Yes, customers were saying, hey, this kind of, this kind of sounds cute. You were trying to score my salespeople, but can you just tell me what, what they're doing in the first place? And, and uh, what do you need to do to make them better? I see. So you followed the, the customer immersion process using that original hypothesis and then pivoted based on the conversations you had and, and learned what the customers were really looking for and then spun it differently. Got it. Exactly. Fabulous. Fabulous. All right. Um, what else have you done in building this company to this point where uh, you have done something uh, you know, innovative, original, that you think we should discuss in this conversation? Well, it's been uh, almost six years of uh, building interesting and innovative things. So after we graduated from YC, we started building, and we initially were 
focused on anybody who would sign up, but that doesn't fly, as you know. So we ended up finding um, our first big customer about a year after, uh, about six months after YC, which was Palo Alto Networks, mm-hmm. which, which showed us how important the enterprise compatibility and features and security and all that stuff is. Mm-hmm. And so we, we started working with Palo Alto Networks and have become very successful there uh, on the enterprise side. But that taught us that um, to train our AI, uh, going through larger companies, on one hand, is harder because you have to do more, more work to get in. Yeah. Uh, but then on the other hand, I, I, Palo Alto Networks is more valuable from AI training perspective than a thousand small companies. Right. And so um, from in terms of scaling your AI, working with large companies was, was the path. So that was a huge insight for us, and we focused on large enterprises uh, for, for all the time since. Um, so that was great. Uh, then other pieces we found, oh, another one that was really interesting for us is uh, you obviously need to have um, as tight of use case coverage as you can. You cannot just be training AI for something. You have to be solving a specific problem. And so what was really helpful is discovering that methodologies uh, like medic or value selling in sales are actually helping us decrease the aperture of, uh, of what we need to train the, train the AI for and what kind of outcomes people are looking for if we align to the methodology. So kind of absolute focus and keeping on refining your focus to more and more and more uh, precise and like limited things you're trying to do, like basically doing less things better versus many things okay, was, was the big driver for us in terms of that. Um, and lastly, uh, lastly, the big invention that, that kind of jump-started and made our business very defensible, besides uh, matching technology, which I talked about already, was mm-hmm. what we call people graph. Turns out understanding who is in this activity and why are they here is, is probably the most key piece of information you can have in our business. So we actually started building our own graph of, uh, of persona information to understand who are the people, where have they been before, what are they like, what are they focused on, and so on and so on under the hood, which allowed us to have a first-party data platform that tells us kind of all the persona insights, which is very unique in the industry. Interesting. You know, I um, did a story some time ago on a company called discover.org, Mm-hmm. that were mapping out the org charts inside of organizations for to sell to sales organizations. And they've since been acquired by Zoom Info. As yep. you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking that that kind of data layered onto what you're doing would be very valuable. Is that on your radar? We actually acquired a company called Close Plan that was doing org charts uh, across uh, that, that allows companies to build org charts for their prospects inside their Salesforce, which I is see. kind of a much newer version of Discover.org. And to be honest, we've seen Discover.org mostly disappear uh, off the radar since they went public because prior to going public, they were using basically LinkedIn scraping to, uh, to power their data set. And that's not, that, that's a gray area today based on all the lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
while I guess since they're public, they can't really do that anymore. Um, while in our case, we make org charts collaborative. So there is 100,000 salespeople collaborating with each other on org charts within their Salesforce. And we are the company in between that basically makes everybody's org charts build out automatically uh, without having to scrape LinkedIn or anything. Uh, and, and we found basically a better way to do that. And is that proprietary? If, you, if one organization which has a large number of salespeople are building out the work cha- org charts for themselves, do you take that knowledge and, and let other people use that? Or is that something that the, the salespeople from that company keeps control of? I mean, they have control. They can, they can keep it to themselves, but then they will not get other org charts built by someone else. Or they I can see. share theirs and get everybody else's. I see. I see. And, you, and you're learning that people are more interested in collaborating than being yeah. proprietary. We have 150 large enterprises on the platform today who are all collaborating. Okay. Got it. Very interesting. Super interesting. I, I love what you're doing. I think it's a great time to do something like this because of all the abundance of data. And, uh, and it mm-hmm. sounds like you did a very good job of, uh, as you call it, cold starting uh, the data, co- data leverage process. So congratulations. Fantastic. Now, last question before we close. Um, what are some open problems from your vantage point with your skill set, your knowledge, your experience, if you were starting a new company in the AI domain today, what problem, what open problem, what white space would you go after? And the point of view from which I'm asking you this question is other entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs who are reading this interview or listening to this interview and wondering what problems should they go solve? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think it all uh, comes back together to activity data. Uh, and let me explain to you why I think that way. Um, Basically, to build an AI model of doing something better, you need to have a, real, a pretty high-resolution description of how it's been done before and whether it worked or not. Therefore, collecting activity data of players of specific markets, be it salespeople or wealth managers or, or cars or airplanes or whatever, basically collecting all telemetry, to train uh, machine learning models is, is basically the, the path. In fact, I don't believe it is possible to build a large company anymore just based on better machine learning algorithms. You can only build a large company these days by having a proprietary data set that nobody else has access to. And so um, if I were to advise uh, young entrepreneurs on to where to start companies, I would say, identify an area of human activity where there is no massive public company yet optimizing that activity for better outcomes for humans. Mm -hmm. Find a way to collect a proprietary data set of humans in that domain, be it how people take loans, how people buy airplane tickets, how people sell. I mean, don't do do the how people sell. Uh, and, then, and then basically build a company and collect activity and then optimizes, um, learn sort of activity and optimizes behavior for better outcomes in the domain. There is a lot of white space there. Yeah, great. Fantastic. Oleg, I, I 
thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I hope to keep in touch with you and learn more about how you are progressing and so on. Good luck with everything and we we'll very much look forward to doing the story. Absolutely. Looking forward to it as well. Thank you, Samana. Nice meeting you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.